The Rams Review Podcast are delighted to announce a new sponsor for this season, the Terrace Apparel. The Terrace Apparel offers tributes to iconic sporting moments and heroes embroidered onto timeless crew neck tees made from organic cotton for a soft but durable t-shirt which makes them both comfortable and stylish. There are currently over 100 bespoke designs to choose from, from footballing legends, cricketing masterclasses to major winners, with more designs being added regularly. Can't find something that's special to you? You can even request your own iconic sporting moment. Contact them on their website, theterristapparel.com. But that's not all. For all Derby fans listening, we have had the pleasure of creating our own design, voted for by the listeners of the podcast over the last couple of weeks on our socials. You voted for the iconic Jim Smith and Igor Stimak at the baseball ground, which will be on sale very soon. Keep your eyes out on our socials for the product launch. Also, we can exclusively offer 15% off all purchases with the code RAMSREVIEW15. TheTerristApparel.com. Check it out now. Welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby Cat. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast with me, Jason, and back in the saddle, co-host Corey. Corey! Nice, not been on for a couple of weeks, mate. Nice to have you on. How are you doing? Yeah, Jason, they're going to get a double dose of me today because I've sat down. I've got a bit of a Morecambe preview later on as well. But it's great to be back with you, and especially on this very special day. It's transfer deadline day, folks. For those who are listening on the audio podcast because we don't do it on YouTube yet, we're all wearing yellow because why not? It's deadline day. It's what you got to do. Um, so let's talk Rumor Mill. Let's talk West Ham. Let's talk Port Vale. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be back, Jason. Um, obviously didn't do it last week. We're trying to get different voices on each and every week to, to try to do it, to try to break up the monotony, uh, because nobody wants to listen to an American talk about soccer, unless obviously it's Chris Kirchner. Um, sorry, football, my bad. Sorry. Already just showed my ignorance there. Unless it's Chris Kirchner, which everybody will gush over until they found out he's an incomplete shyster, but no, uh, great to be back with you, Jason and, and joining us, Jason, it's just not me and you today doing a double show, uh, joining us. As usual, is Jack Bryan. Jack, welcome. And Christopher Holt, again, on loan from the Rams Writer Podcast with a view to a permanent move. Has he done enough? I don't know. We'll put a Twitter poll out and see if Chris can can get a full-term deal with agents fees and everything like that. But he has passed the medical, which is surprising at his age that he was able to do that. But, you know, they 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 do wonders with different pills and medications these days. But, Chris, Jack, how are you, gents? Welcome to Transfer Deadline Day episode special on the Ramsbury podcast. I'm looking forward to it, guys. I'm uh, currently stood outside here at Moore Farm. Uh, it's cold, it's dark, and there's someone holding uh, an inanimate object, which I don't want to repeat what it may be, but he keeps shoving it in my ear. Yeah, fair enough. And, and Jack is the third member of crew. He's not at Moore Farm. He's at Ramsview HQ with Jason and myself. Jack, how's your evening going? Good, yeah. Uh, first of all, I'm glad I didn't have to pass the medical. That would not have ended well. Especially since when I joined you for the first time, I just had surgery. But also, you say it's a special day transfer deadline day. I'm going to give you a useless bit of trivia. It's also a very special day because it's the last Tuesday in January. And in Shetland, that means it's up Heliard, which is the fire festival. 
There you go. We're dropping, dropping knowledge bombs here, and it's only six minutes into the podcast. Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to share that with you. So no, that's reason. interesting. I did not know that, Jack. I did not know that. And off air, I'm going to talk to you more about that because that that's pretty interesting. Did you know that, Jason? No, we, we should stop already. I think that, that's, yeah, that's, that's just that's a, that's a, that's that is the fact of the, the day. That's the and, peak of this podcast, I've got a feeling. And what we're going to do for the last five minutes, we're going to turn it over to Jack, Jason, and he's going to explain He's going to explain that little detail in Shetland to a, us yeah, and our listeners uh, in, in detail. But, Jason, let's go ahead and get cracking on it. Um, it's transfer deadline day. I think the plans kind of changed last night after the West Ham game, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, because there was an injury to Max Bird. Paul Warren said after the game, between two weeks to eight weeks, it could be anywhere within that window. We've talked previously about how influential Max Bird is to this team right now and the way it's clicking. But it does look like we might be able to get a replacement in because it's being reported from Football Insider. Um, And I've also heard from a a couple of the Tottenham journalists that Harvey White, the young, highly rated midfielder from Tottenham Hotspur, he's 21 years old. Um, Darby's in competition with several other clubs, but they look to be at the front of the queue with that. But we as know deadline day, things shift very rapidly. But Harvey White could be coming in, which means that they don't have to shift Corey Smith, which would put the need off for a right back away uh, for right now. But Jason, Harvey White on loan from Tottenham Hotspur, um, good young youth player. We're fending off championship interest to sign him. That's got to be a good sign, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd have thought so. It's a, it's a deal that makes sense. Obviously, listen to Paul Warren's interview after the game last night, and it, it was pretty obvious where he was. He was looking to strengthen, and, and we all know that you know we've, we've followed football for more than long enough that January is a notoriously difficult window to, to do deals. It's usually an expensive window to do deals, but obviously Derby aren't in that market because we can't spend any money, which which really does narrow down, um, you know, Derby's potential of players. Obviously, we, we mentioned, was it last week, week before, me and Chris were talking about Jordan Udall, obviously went to Rotherham, didn't he, uh, yesterday or the day before. So it's, I think as we kind of all predicted, he, he would go to a championship side. So, yeah, it, it's whatever's available in the market at the time. I mean, it's been no secret, I wouldn't have said, that we've needed a right-back since the day that Paul Warren came in. If he hasn't in, what, four months that he's been in the job, if he hasn't managed to target and, and you know, pin down a right-back to join us in January, either that be either permanent or alone, whatever, then what's the chances of finding one in 24 hours? There isn't. So... Whilst I'm sure, and he did mention this in his, his obviously in his con- press conference after, that he'd have liked to have moved Corey Smith into midfield if he could bring in a right back. The market's clearly not there. The market's there for Harvey White. He's, he, he comes with a lot of pedigree from Tottenham. He, I know he's well thought of there. And I say Max Bird is, is a player that, by the sounds of it, is going to be missing for, for for a couple of weeks at least. And, you know, three months ago on the podcast, we would have probably said that wasn't a problem. Now he's one of those key players. And so getting somebody in, great it happened while the window's open. You know, great it you know happened against Morecambe. Yeah, if it happens if it happens against Morecambe, then you're in a bit of a bit of a sticky situation. A a little harsh on Corey Smith, because you know, he's gonna have to continue probably now, I would have thought he's gonna have to continue playing at right back. But you know, we know he's more than capable in League One at doing it. Um actually didn't think he had a bad game last night either, but I know we're gonna move on to that later on. If this player is willing and wanting to come to Derby, Corey, we, we said it in the summer. Anybody that wants to, who's willing and good enough, you obviously have to be good enough. But if anybody's willing to come into Derby, then great. 
Derby are in a better position than they were in the summer. And yeah, somebody of a team like Tottenham trusting us with one of their youngsters. And like you say, they have fended off a couple of bigger clubs from what I've heard. Then great. Hopefully, by the looks of it, he's going to come and play football. And that is one of the things with loan deals, isn't it? A lot of the top young top teams who lower their who send their youngsters down, they're expecting them to play week in week out. Certainly in League One, so an opportunity is opened with Max Bird being injured, and hopefully comes in and it's the ground running. And and that was the key. That was what Lee Curtis from the Derbyshire Telegraph reported on earlier, and he was saying that it's very difficult because, you know, especially in a situation like Derby where they can't pay loan fees for players. There are a lot of teams in the in the Premier League that want their youngsters to come, and there's a financial penalty if they do not meet certain appearances or they do not play regularly, and there can be those financial things as well. So the market's ever-shifting and ever-changing. Who knows? We might end up with Lionel Messi uh, at the end of the window. You never know. The transfer deadline day is, is a crazy place to be. Um, and, and you're right, Jason. The January market is notoriously difficult to do business. Chris, I want to get your opinion on this, not necessarily the the – um, the opinion on Harvey White as we endeavor to try to find more out about the player. Um, unfortunately, Tottenham at the same time as we're trying to announce Harvey White are trying to sign a 48 million pound defender from Sporting Lisbon. So um, our sources are currently a little bit busy right now uh, dealing with that situation to, to get us some information on Harvey White, but we will endeavor as always to find out more about the player. Stay tuned for our blog and our social media for that. But Chris, if you look at January transfer window as a whole and it closed today, um, and let's say Harvey White gets across the line. Let's just live in a perfect world. It's across the line. Um, obviously, nothing is confirmed as of recording right now. Um, Darby bring in Tony Springett, wide player. They bring in Luke McGee, um, backup goalkeeper, for Green Rovers. They bring in Harvey White uh, on loan, central midfielder. They've let go. Joseph Anang's gone back to West Ham, and Jack Stretton has departed. Are you happy, Chris, with that window? Have Derby done enough to see themselves across the line here in League One? Um, what I find interesting is that Paul Warren did say he was going to target um, the age range of you know, 25, 26 to 29. And the two outfield players, one that's already through the door is 20, I believe. And uh, the one that we're after today is 21. So that does worry me a little bit. That we're going back to, um, yeah, we're we're going back to players that have uh, a proven record at under twenty ones, but we're going into League One, and we're now going into uh, the true business end of it, aren't we? We're going into February, where I believe we have a numerous amount of games, six or seven, I believe. I just wonder whether he's been on the trail of. Of, of Harvey White for a while, whether this is a last-minute uh, sort of feather out the cap as such, which does worry me a little bit, is a bit of a panic buy. Um, I agree with Jace that I feel sorry for Corey Smith. I don't think you can move him now. I'd rather not disturb the back four. We've seen with Curtis coming back that there has been a little bit of unsettlement in the back four over the last sort of six or seven games. I think that was clearly shown again last night. So I think once Aaron's back in there, and no disrespect to Curtis, he's been a fantastic servant. I'd still like to see a striker come through the book, uh, through the gate, if honest. I'm still, still outside here now, more farm. It's very cold. haven't seen no Range Rovers or Harry Redknapp, uh, nor no strikers, but I'd anticipate that there will be a striker coming through the door at 11 o'clock. I just do. I think he needs one. 
Jack, similar similar sentiments. Have we done enough? I mean, there are gaps in the squad, and we saw it, you know, last week and the last couple of weeks when we've been on the podcast, we've been discussing midfield looks really settled for Derby. We have some depth, but if we got a couple of injuries, things might start to shift. We pick up an injury last night, and it looks like the whole picture's kind of changed as well. And I forgot in my aforementioned thing, because the people on social media are going to get this, Willis Sula's also gone back on loan as well uh, as a departure. Uh, but Jack... Do you have similar sentiments to Chris that we're bringing in younger, unproven players into League One it, it, it really at a time where we need a bit of experience? Or are these players just coming in to paper over some cracks? And in a way, is it smart because they're just six-month loan deals so that we can reassess where we're at in the summer? See, I think, I think it's a bit of both. I think you've got to take what you can get in January. Classically, it's more difficult to recruit. But also, the constraints we're under... So if the right players aren't there on a permanent deal, is the use of loans smart? Perhaps. But it does, you know, we need, even these loans need to be the right fit. And if they have thoughts all all window, we don't really need many players and are now panicking off the back of the Max Bird injury, then that wouldn't be a great look. I mean, I think it is. It's, un- it's unfortunate for Corey Smith. He's done a great job at, at right back. But ideally, we move him into the middle. Um, and I, I did hear something, I can't remember where I read this, about Warren being after he had a number of options on loan from Premier League clubs in terms of the forward. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd expect there to be a forward tonight. I think we need somebody purely for cover for numbers on the basis that we've lost to Sule. We were working the first half of the season on the basis of having three strikers. It would also be nice uh, to have a striker who doesn't try and do his best Maradona impression every game. That was the uh, the text I got from a granddad last night after the game was, why does Collins always use his hand to score? And he did it He did it really prominently last night. That was baffling. But um, he's done it a few times. But but yeah, I think, I think a couple of players, we're probably going to need somebody up front and somebody a body in midfield for Max Bird. If you go back to the start of the season, what we kept talking about was the balance of the midfield and how we felt it was off. And I think that's the unfortunate thing because it's settled now and it seems to be working. And then injuries happen, that's disrupted. It's finding somebody who can slot in and kind of keep that balance. Is that Corey Smith moving into the middle? Is that a new signing? That depends on availability because this is deadline day, you know. Yeah, I just can't be choosers as well. Yeah, and it's going to be difficult. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, Jason, to see how the midfield balance kind of shifts over the next couple of weeks as Max Bird, who has become an extremely influential player, who is our on-field captain at the moment, um, is probably Derby County captain next season after Curtis Davis leaves. You would think he would be in the driving seat for that, wearing the armband as much as what he's wearing. It's going to be interesting to see how the midfield balance is going to shift because it seems like we just, oh, wow, look, we've just put Jason Knight in attacking midfield. Everything's working great. Hurahane's playing better. Bird's coming of age. Knight's doing his typical Jason Knight, great performances. And now it's going to be interesting to see how you fit either a Harvey White or a Corey Smith into, into a different role. But I'm very much, and I was talking to Chris about this before we recorded, I'm very much of a similar situation keep Corey Smith at right back because if it's not broke, don't fix it. Don't try to move Corey Smith into midfield. And then, oh, let's put Jake Rooney, who's played well in a few games that he's played at right back. 
and let's just stick him there. Let's let's just fix the one problem in field right now. Um, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see how this team has to evolve and it's more adversity that we're going to go over. But the way I look at it, Jason, trying to put a positive spin on things, if this is going to be good for us going down the road later this season, because once we know how to, we know how to now win ugly. We won ugly at Port Vale. We were behind. We came back last cast, couple of goals, epic win. And so now we have to deal with a different set of adversity. We have not dealt with a long-term injury to a, to a, to a key first team player since Jason Knight in the early part of the season. Now, Jason Knight was playing it right back at the time. So his influence on the team was a little different. So it'd be interesting, won't it, to see how that dynamic now changes. And now Paul Warren has to figure out how can we fill this spot and what Max Bird is doing. And I think it also, Jason, before I let you do that and tack on an extra point here, it will also be interesting to see now how um, we can probably now see how influential Max Bird is to this team and what he does really bring. Because oftentimes, me and you have spoke about this in the past, often I've said to you, I don't know what Max Bird does in this team. So maybe it helps Max Bird and the team. We can evolve and try to play a different way. And also, we can also see what Max Bird really brings to this football team. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, that's a fair point. Um, the thing that I pick up is, <clears throat> I think over the last couple of weeks, or last few weeks really, Max and Connor have... have really got to grips with each other's game in um, in the centre of midfield, which has allowed both of them, I think, to exploit, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and, and they're playing together as a unit where at the start of the season, I'm not so sure that they were really doing that. That's where, obviously, now a new body coming in, what sort of an effect, if it is Harvey White, and we obviously, as you say, at the time of recording, and that's not been agreed, but and Lee does, Nichols has just tweeted out that Darby are his most likely destination. So that's yeah. from like three three sources now. But let's face it, then it sounds like he may well come in. What's the? We're going to have that question about balance again in that midfield. Connor's got to then. Um, chances are White's going to come in. If he comes in, he's going to start Saturday. You would have thought, unless we can bring in a right back and a striker, which I fully agree with everybody, we've got to bring one in. Um, it's it's going to take time again for them to to gel in the middle of the park. Say Paul Warren's comments last night. We don't know nothing until they've had a scan, but it it doesn't sound great for Max. It does sound like he's going to be missing for the next best part of two months. So that's a, that's a big chunk of the season at quite a crucial time. He, he might be, if he is out that long, he might be a great one to bring back in towards the back end of the season if Derby continue on this trajectory. But at this moment in time, we've got to get there and, and bring in somebody in as young as that who hasn't got too much experience of playing league football, as far as I'm aware. It's it's a bit of a gamble and it's it's going to take bedding in time in what is a very important role in, in central and midfield. And I say something that we commented on with uh, with Max and Connor at the, at the beginning of the season. So that one's going to be really interesting. Um, but yeah, in terms of the others, uh, it, it, as I said earlier, if a right-back's not available, a right-back's not available, we can tell from Paul Warren, he's, he's pretty cut and dry. He ain't going to bring anybody in unless he thinks he's going to improve and improve what we've got. And for um, me, Jason, that's the key point right there, what you've just yeah. said. We want to bring players in that can improve the group, players that are in a position of need. Now, we know we need a right back. We know that he wants to bring in a striker, but I'm not of the mind of – we're not in a situation of Derby County where 
we were in the previous regimes where if we had a need, we could just go out and get somebody and maybe they didn't fit or whatever. You know, I think it's smart to go with the squad that we have. They've proven themselves so far this season. Um, we've looked at a lot of the teams in League One. There's not very many that are that good. Let's just be honest, okay? Right? Uh, we're probably bang on assured for the playoffs at this moment in time. So why not just continue to not continue to upset the apple cart by trying to get unnecessary players in and make a bloated squad? We know Paul Warren likes to work with a thin squad. Give them six-month loan deals. If it works out for the goalie, great. Look, we signed a goalkeeper for Screen Rovers. I don't think that was something that was ever going to leave my lips and the history of a Derby County support that we signed a goalkeeper on loan from Forest Green Rovers. But he's, play, he's played every game this season. Yeah, but he's the backup he's to Joe Wildsmith. Yeah, but he's played every single game for, for Forest yeah. Green. Yeah. Uh, how has that deal come about? He, he's Forest Green's number one. Yeah, all Which, of a sudden they were like, yep, really, see ya. Yeah, and every game last season. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really weird that I, I, I found that one a little bit weird, Corey. I have to say. Yeah, but you know he's come into a situation. He's going to back up Joe Wildsmith. So if something was to happen to Joe Wildsmith, we would be dead in the water because we would have no cover at all. At least now we have an a, a, a capable League One starting goalkeeper to at least paper over the cracks until Wildsmith could potentially come back. So I think it's pretty smart, Jason. I don't think we need to be dipping into the transfer market and just going, oh, this guy's free from this random club and things like that. Chris, I know me and you earlier talked about Kenneth Zahore from West Bromwich Albion. Looks like he's going to link up with a Norwegian club that they've already made an offer for him within within that hour. So it's like, you know, you want to make sure, one, you can get players in the door that want to play, two, that know their role. There's going to be players that come into this team that aren't going to break in. When they signed Tony Springett, he knew he probably wasn't going to start 15, 20 games because you can't displace Mark Barkhausen and Methes Lang, the two of the best wide men in this division. You're not going to replace Dobbin. So you're coming in as the fourth choice wide man knows his role. And you know what? It's paid dividends because he's already won us three points because he kept that ball in play. He's already, sorry, two points off a draw. It's an easy, it's an easy position to slot into as well. Yeah, exactly. I, I think obviously bringing a youngster in to put in the right in the middle of midfield, which is obviously what Derby try and play through. Is is a completely different. Yeah, that's a completely wing. different you, thing. You can put somebody out on the wing. It's not really a not really a problem. So you just have to hope that Harvey White is um is is capable of stepping up to this thing. But you know that gives an opportunity for this lad to get his name in the shop window. If he does well and Darby go up, maybe Darby sign him. Maybe he gets a move somewhere else. So I think the motivation there for everybody else is is really good. We know that the Tottenham Academy is um is quite good. We know that the Tottenham Academy to have good fundamental players that come through. Um, I mean, you look at the links of Harry Winks, fantastic footballer, couldn't break through at Tottenham, but played for England. He was a very, very good technical player. So hopefully Harvey White is is something similar to a Harry Winks kind of esque player at that at that age. You know, you look at Oliver Skip, it did him a world of good going to Norwich. Um, so you know, they have a history of, of of getting good midfielders. So hopefully it's just another another one down the pipe. Chris, let's turn our attentions now from the transfer window to back to on-the-field matters because yesterday Derby played in the FA Cup fourth round against West Ham United at Pride Park. Um, it finished 2-0 to the Hammers. They go through, they play, they travel to Old Trafford in, in, the, in the fifth round um, in the next round of the Cup. Derby are out. I, for one, am pleased that we're out of the FA Cup. I think now it's an unnecessary... Well, look, 
I love a good cup run as much as the next guy, but I think getting out of this division is is the most important thing at the moment. We're not going to win the FA Cup. We bowed out graciously. That's what we needed to do. So we can turn our full full attention now onto the league. Chris, one, are you kind of happy that we're out the cup so that we can focus on the league? Because it's not like we necessarily, you know, it's not like we played really poor. We we weren't great last night. Let's just be honest. But I don't think it's a, it, it, they didn't wipe the floor with us. Are you happy that we're out the cup and that we can focus on the league now? I always enjoy listening to the phrase, it's a free hit. And I thought last Curtis night Davis we... doesn't enjoy it. But to be honest, I, I am with you. I enjoy that phrase because that's exactly what it was. And I didn't think we played as if it was a free hit. And that was my only disappointment about last night. You know, I didn't think we laid a glove on them, to be honest. Um, if you're going to go with a free hit, do what Wrexham did. Just just go all out, attack, 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 and you come out with a very close shock and end up uh, 3-3, I believe it was, at uh, the race course. Um, whereas last night, I thought Derby played um, very, not lethargic, but I thought they were cautious, and they didn't need to be cautious. You know, there was, we, were, we were expecting a... a a humdinger of a game. I just don't think we 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 got it. And I also think West Ham are quite surprised, to be honest. And they're probably quite relieved. Um, I'm glad we're out of the cup, personally. I, I don't think that a cup run would do us any favours at the moment. Yes, it might bring a few quid into the into the pot. But um, I think a replay would have been a nightmare. And then winning that going on to Manu, as glorious as it goes, would be uh, a squad nightmare. So let's focus on the league. My My only concern would be from last night is mentally has it affected them at all because we've gone from 19 unbeaten to 14 unbeaten in the league now that's still a great uh record to have but i just hope that uh in the change room half of the game uh mood was high and everyone accepted that it's gone it's done and we move on to Morecambe, which we all agree is a far more important game jack similar similar sentiments i mean what what were you happy, disappointed, upset, angry, apoplectic, uh, apathetic? I had a dictionary for lunch. Sorry for all these big words. Uh, how were you feeling uh, about the game last night? Yeah, I mean, I'd say on the on the balance of it, you know what? It was a bit of a free hit. I I wasn't expecting anything, and I was, you know, I was quite happy for us to go out, you know, because as I say, nothing was expected on the on the mental. Uh, the effects mentally, I would say as well, is it perhaps less damaging losing the streak to a team two divisions above where you're expected to lose than, say, if we lost it on Saturday? But, but I mean, the other thing is the, the one bit of disappointment I did have was once we saw the draw, because there was a small part of me going, Manchester United, this could be interesting content if we make it through. But, you know... That's that was the only bit of disappointment. But yeah, we we've got bigger fish to fry, frankly, haven't we? We we don't have the squad depth for for a cup run. The money is great that you get through it, and that's kind of the silver lining. But you know what? Concentrate on the league, and if we if we get up, then nobody's going to care that we went out in the fourth round of the FA Cup, are they? Yeah, and I think Tom Barkhausen said something very similar. Jack is that. 
you know, the mood would have been way different if we had lost to Port Vale or to Morecambe rather than if we had lost to West Ham United. So, you know, that's the important thing. This is a free hit. Let's not forget about that. It seems like Darby, Darby County Twitter has kind of gone into, I wouldn't say full meltdown mode, but it's turned a little bit negative because we lost to a team in two divisions above us in the Premier League that have multi-million pound players and full of internationals. There's um, Europe. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the goalkeeper that played last night's a World Cup winner. Let's not forget that. And was it, you know, was Francis back up at the World Cup uh, final this year as well. So they, they had some quality players on display. Look, I don't think there's any harm in in going out to West Ham um, in the manner that we did. We're not going to win the FA Cup. Let's focus on the league and let's get out of it. And let's get back after it against Morecambe because that's the most important thing. And the way you have to look at the unbeaten streak is the, unbe- the unbeaten streak is, is, is not over because now it's an unbeaten league game streak. Uh, and we have to maintain that and keep that positive and keep that going because that's the that's the most important thing at the moment, wouldn't you say, Jason? Yeah, um, I would agree with pretty much every what everybody said. It's it's a, it, it was a bit of a distraction. The the draw obviously was made as Jack mentioned before the game. United away, not a stranger to to. Playing United in cup competitions over the years, that would have been a nice payday for Derby. Um, but I have to agree with Chris, and I was, I am slightly disappointed actually that that Derby didn't lay a glove on him last night at all, and I was, I was a little bit surprised by that, a little bit taken aback by that. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say I was worried about that because obviously the the golfing class is is there to see. Um. But I was a couple of players' application in the game was for me was lacking a, a little bit. Two mistakes have cost us two goals. One from Curtis Davis, somebody who's obviously been a hot topic on the podcast over the last couple of weeks, um, and after what was a five or six clean sheets in a row, or whatever it is. Obviously, we've leaked in a couple over the last few three or four league games. And I thought Derby's defence last night looked all over the place. I, re- I really did. And I, and I know where that comes with the quality. You know, you've got best part of £100 million worth of player up front, players up front in Bowen and Antonio and and obviously uh, Ben Rama as well. But I, I just don't think Derby took took the game as they, sh- as they probably could have done. A bit like what Chris said. We may as well have gone for them. We, we may as well have had a go at them. And I think that ties in the two chats that we've had, Corey. Derby didn't lay a glove on them. We didn't have a shot on target. And that just goes to show that this team, without David McGoldrick up front, at a 35-year-old, not the first time we've mentioned it on this podcast, Derby don't look dangerous enough. And they're not dangerous enough. And whilst that might be good enough for League One, it's a bit of a concern um, that, you know, McGoldrick's injury, uh, I've been told, I heard in the in the conference, press conference, it's it's a knee injury. I mean, he could be back for Saturday. He could be missing for a couple of weeks. If he's missing for a couple of weeks, Derby lose a lot of good out of what has been an incredible unbeaten run, like you say, of, of complete games and, and still going in the league. So that just ties in. I, I think the importance of trying to bring in a striker is massive because James Collins just does not seem to be... Uh, does not seem to be firing, and he's he's living up to more of his Cardiff, um, you know, run it run at Cardiff than he than he is at, is running against uh, when he was at Luton in League One. So, 
yeah, I, I was I was a little bit disappointed last night. I really was. And I actually I was a little surprised in Paul Warren's uh, press conference. He uh, certainly I listened to the one on Radio Derby, and he was he was full of praise for his team. I, I, don't get me wrong, as you would expect, he would be. But Paul Warren's quite a cut and dry person. He normally lays it on the line. He normally says when he doesn't believe Derby have played well, and take away West Ham Premier League those words. I don't think Derby played well last night. And I, I'm not saying that Derby ever had really had a realistic chance of winning because of the quality, you know, the difference in quality. But I'm I'm with Chris on this one. I thought Derby should have given it a bit more of a go. And I I was left a little bit disappointed with some of our key players uh that you know that we've had this year. They they were marshaled well. Agbonner had had Mendes Lang in his back pocket all game. And we won't say that too many times this season. And say the midfield, we we went back to that passing it round the back, didn't really um, didn't really penetrate West Ham enough. I thought Barkhausen had a bit more joy down the left. If I'm honest, I thought he had a, a pretty solid game. But as Jack touched, any time James Collins got near the ball, he got his hand for four yards away from his body. It's it's just yeah, we 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 take it as it is. We concentrate on the league. I think everybody's um, synopsis of I'd have rather have lost last night and won and win on Saturday against Morecambe is absolutely bang on. But it does leave that little bit of a sour taste in the mouth when you see somebody like Wrexham who took Sheffield United as far as they took them and, and should have won, let's face it, Wrexham should have won that game. And Derby didn't really lay a glove on West Ham. I find that that's a little slight disappointment to me, I, I have to say. Well, Jason, let me ask you this, because I, this is an interesting point that you brought up, and I was going to talk to Chris about this on the podcast, but I don't have to look like the villain anymore. Um, Chris put a tweet out earlier today, Chris, because I do follow your Twitter account, um, talking about James Collins, um, and I believe he was praising James Collins slightly. Um, I'm going to kind of side with you, Jason. I think, personally, James Collins is a little bit overrated. I think he came in here with a big reputation, and he's not fed the bulldog. Um, Chris, Jason, James Collins, discuss. Um, what I actually said was, is basically that, uh, I won't read the tweet out word for word, but he's getting a lot of muck thrown at him at the moment. And all I was trying to remind people is he's not playing in the formation he's used to. He's a, he's a 4-4-2 player. He always has played in a 4-4-2. We're playing in a 4-5-1. He's a lone striker. He's not a lone striker. He, he needs someone to feed off. It has, that's the kind of player he is. All I was reminding people was, we've come a long way in a short period of time. And this is a guy that came through the doors, happy to come to a club that was in absolute, let's be honest, was coming out of turmoil and ashes and was one of the first to put a shirt on. Yes, he came with a reputation. I think a lot of people don't see the football or what he plays it sounds it sounds a, a crazy analogy, but a lot of football he plays off the ball. He does a lot of bombarding of centre halves. He's a, he's a battering ram, and I, I can assure you that them centre halves know they'll be in a game or have been in a game when they come off that pitch at ninety minutes. Yeah, he's he's a bit. He can be laborious at times and predictable, and some people have used the analogy of cart horse. I think he's better than that. I think the I just think since the system's been changed to fit in Jason Knight, I think James Collins is the one player that has suffered. I I I would 
I would agree. I think he, he gets the flack a lot more than he deserves. Um, and I think he does get involved in the play. I, I think he, he is a crucial part. Um, I don't know. Since he's come back from obviously that little injury that he had or he missed out, whatever it was, he, he missed out a couple of games and obviously McGoldrick was playing. He, he, he does look lost up front on his own. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, and Paul Warren said his preferred formation is obviously 3-5-2 and he, he might flourish in that. But at the moment, it's not what Derby are playing. It's not what Derby have got the players to play, really. Um, and it, it, so he does, you know, you have to put him in there because he is a recognised striker. He, he does get a lot of flack. Um He's one of those that I think at the beginning of the season he got a bit, didn't he? And then obviously he got his brace against um, was it Cheltenham? I think it was. Um, and then everybody, you know, he went on that little bit of a run. Clearly a confidence player. He's not playing the way that he wants to play. Um, he, he just he needs a goal. Is what he needs. Uh, but unfortunately, I think at the same time, he's with what Jack said. You know, he, he's. I don't think he's helping himself at times. Strikers. Whatever formation, in my opinion, whatever formation you play in, a striker is a striker. He needs to be in and around the mix. And I think too many times he's not. Um, I saw him last night. He was, he's out on the right wing putting balls in. But for who? He's, he's playing up front on his own. And, and that's that's a little bit of a worry. One thing I want to mention about the striker thing, I've just... Uh, Chris, you might have more information on this. I've um, th There's uh, a couple of sources in the last... 10 minutes on Twitter, that Derby have been linked with uh, Arsenal forward Kido Taylor-Hart uh, and apparently he, he is in talks with Derby at the moment over a loan deal and there's a potential uh, that Derby will definitely bring in some form of young uh, Premier League loan youngster uh, who, who plays up front. So that's, that's going to help things. And I think that in a way ties it, it. That's the problem at the moment. James Collins, when he's not firing does make Derby look a little bit lethargic up front. David McGoldrick does, does a great deal of work and he's, you know, he's 35. Derby need another option. They, they need another option up front. They need somebody to push and press um, James Collins and David McGoldrick and just to try and get that extra 10% out of James Collins. James Collins is not a bad striker. No doubt about that. He's scored goals wherever he's gone. His ratio not, might not be brilliant in the last two or three years, but that's there that could be a multitude of fact, factors to that. Um, but I think th there's, a, there's a few things that, you know, we'll, we'll aid him. I mean, he's been close on a couple of occasions. He's, he, he feels again like he's in that position where he just needs one off the backside, one, one to fall in. And then you might get another three or four goals out of him. And if that's the type of striker that he is, then fine. But you you play to that strength. And let's face it, David McGoldrick this season is, whilst he's, he's great when he's in the side, he's broke down about three or four times already this year. And that's that's a massive worry if one of these, so far, they've not been too bad. Obviously, I think his first one was a, was a few weeks, but all the rest have been little niggles. I know he's been poor, he's had an illness and this, that and the other. But if he does get one that's six to eight to 12 weeks, a bit similar to what Max Bird's position is, 
and we haven't got another recognised striker up front, Derby are in trouble. Um, I'm not sure James Collins can carry in this formation. He can't carry Derby's attack on his own. And that, that to me, is a bit of a worry. So, yeah, uh, to tie the to tie everything together there, Corey, I think it's it's massively important. Whoever Derby are speaking to at the moment, get themselves involved. All right, Rams fans, time to turn our attention to the weekend's game against Morecambe. Um, with me is the voice of Shrimps online, um, Dave Salmon. Dave, thanks again for joining us. You were with us earlier in the season. Um, how the heck are you, buddy? Uh, very well. A lot better than when we last spoke, Corey, that's for sure. And uh, a lot more optimistic, I think, given uh, certainly what's happened at home in the last uh, couple of months when we have been absolutely brilliant. Lots of good away from home. Uh, we'll come on to that in a sec, I suppose. But uh, yeah, certainly lots of uh, lots of optimism around the camp at the moment. So uh, good to go for the second half of the season. And thanks, of course, for ha- having me back on. No, I really appreciate you being able to take the time. And, you know, Dave, let's start right there because you just said Morgan were excellent at home. <laughs> Um, and, and you also said optimism and high, and I'm not sure, Dave, how close you've been following Derby, but optimism is very high in the camp as well. Um, from a Derby County football club perspective and from a fan mm. perspective, we've really kind of turned the corner. Uh, I don't think we knew where the corner was, but we turned it. Um, but the away form you said has been poor, which kind of gets me licking my lips a little bit because Morecambe's heading to Pride Park. Um, what, why, why the disparity between the home form and the away form? It's it's something which I think if the club could put the finger on it, uh, we might be onto something and we might be far higher at the table uh, than what we are. Whether it's just the home advantage, the home crowd, less pressure, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Different tactic, I have no idea. But the, the reality of the situation is uh, we are eight unbeaten at home at the moment. Not quite the run that you're on, by the way, but we're eight unbeaten at home. We've won the last four at the Mazuma in a row, including a 5-0 against Burton, and a 5-1 last Saturday against Bristol Rovers, where we absolutely demolished them. It was probably the most complete performance from start to finish uh, since Morecambe have been an an EFL club. And they've had some very good days in both League 2 and in League 1. But for me, it was probably our best win as a football league club on Saturday. Uh, From start to finish, it was just the the, the complete, perfect performance. So, Mazuma form, not a problem at all. And, And in those eight games unbeaten, uh, our draw against yourselves back in October is uh, is in that run. I, I would argue that we we could have got three points on that occasion. You'll say you missed two penalties and a couple of other opportunities, so you should have had the points. But uh, I suppose a, a draw may be about the fair result. But away from home, it's completely different. And, and I think it's, it's something that, that's strange and, and nobody can quite put the finger on why it is. We've only won once on the road all season. That was a scrappy 2-1 win in stoppage time. Last, Literally the last header of the game against Forest Green Rovers. So that's probably going to turn out to be a great three points when we're all said and done at the end of the season. But apart from that and a few draws, we've lost every time on the road. And it seems every time we go to a big away club, I don't know whether we freeze or whether it's the occasion gets to us or a bigger fan base. I, I don't know what it is, but it happened to us at Hillsborough. It's happened to us at Stadium MK. It happened to us at Portman Road against Ipswich last Tuesday. So it's a bit of a strange one, really. But that said, we've got to go to your place full of confidence. And at some point, we've got to get that second away win of the season. And, and given the, the fact that we just put five past Bristol Rovers, why not make it a statement win at Pride Park on Saturday? I know that's not what you want to hear, Corey, but uh, we've got to win at some point away from home, that's for sure. 
Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's difficult to to put the to put the finger on it. I mean, is that a, is that a frustration, Dave, for uh, Derek Adams, the manager? I mean, does he when you talk to him in press conferences and you listen to him in press conferences, is, is he? I'm, I'm, I'm obviously he's frustrated because it's his job on the line as well. But um, I mean, what, what does he have similar things? Like he doesn't understand. Is it a mental? Is he thinking it's mentality? Is he trying to set him up a different way to try to break that duck away from home? I think a lot of it's financial. I mean, let's make no mistake about that. There are some some superpowers, as as Derek Adams calls it, in League One, and and, and I think this is a division very much of the haves and the have-nots. We played it switch away from home last time out. They put four past us before half time, and after the game, Derek was at great pains to say, "Well, look, they've got this player that they just paid a million and a half pounds for, and what about this player they paid one point two million pounds for, and and so on and so on, and." and the phrase I used is, uh, you know, we shop in different supermarkets. It's, it's absolutely true that they're playing. They're paying a one and a half million pounds for a striker. Uh, we're getting a, an eighteen-year-old from Burnley's academy who's not made a senior appearance, and and that's the that's the disparity. Uh, it, not there is a, not a good player by by the way, but uh, that's the disparity in 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 class, if you like, in terms of your budgets and, and, and how big you are as a football club. So whether that plays into it, I don't know. I don't think it's tactical. I think we, we, we set up pretty similar, really, away from home as we do at the Mazuma. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a conundrum, that's for sure. And, Dave, looking at looking at uh, playing personnel, obviously we're recording this on Monday night ahead of Derby's game against West Ham United, and tomorrow is, I think, a lot of people's favourite day, I guess. Um, it's deadline day. Um, <laughs> so what our favourite day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm okay because it's not my job on the line. I'm okay. I can just sit back as an armchair, as they call him here, armchair quarterback and, and dissect and, and laugh at that. Uh, I mean, Anthony Gordon, 45 million. What a joke. Um, <laughs> that, just leave that one there for insanity. Um, but uh, January incomings at Morecambe, have there been have there been quite a few? Are they looking to do a little bit of deal uh, deadline day deals tomorrow? Or is it pretty much the same team they're going to kind of keep that through because you talked about budgets and purse strings and stuff i expect at least one out and and, and one in uh by the time that uh, people listen to this uh we've got one senior player what name who the player is because that would be unfair but all Morecambe fans know the player who i'm talking about he's a senior pro he's not in Derek adams plans at all he'll be one of the bigger earners in the squad as well and i think we are going to try and get him moved somewhere on loan or maybe pay up his contract, whatever it might be. Um, Derek said on Saturday that uh, we're looking for one, uh, maybe two incomings. But do you know what, Corey? The business that we've done already in January, it's been pretty good, really. We've got uh, uh, Titans uh, are at the back. We've got uh, Dinal Simeu, who is on loan from Southampton. He spent the first half of the season at Tranmere. He got recalled and then loaned back out to us. He's a proper wide, big, like a quarterback, if you will, Corey, in American terms, a proper big central defender, absolutely looks the business. Uh, we've got Michael Mellon on loan from Burnley, who is a young striker, and we needed more forward reinforcements because we'd lost Kieran Phillips, who was on loan to us from Huddersfield. He's got an injury, which keeps him out for the rest of the season. So he's gone back. Mellon's coming, looked good on his full debut on Saturday. But the one for me, and it kind of completes our midfield, really, is a, a midfield player called Dan Crowley. Um, and he's one of those players, Corey, who very much sits in the bracket of how the heck have Morecambe managed to sign a player of this quality? It's it's, And I know that's quite a sweeping statement to say after I've only seen him play once, but he's got 
class oozing through me. Absolutely dictated play against Bristol Rovers on Saturday. You can look at his stats. They are, they're off the charts. He's got about 80 or 90 championship appearances. I think he, he kind of fell out of favour for one reason or another. He, he ended up in Holland uh, in the Dutch uh, second division for 18 months, but he's come back to England. We've only got him on a short-term contract till the end of the season, but boy, oh boy, what a player. And if he can perform anywhere near the level that he played against Bristol Rovers on Saturday, he's going to give you boys uh, one heck of a torrid time. He's an attacking midfielder, so he's got an eye for goal. And, oh my word, he can pick a pass uh, like, like I have never seen, arguably. And again, it's only on one showing. Uh, probably the best player I have ever seen in a Morgan shirt. And I don't say that lightly. I remember Danny Crowley. He was at uh, Birmingham City yes. several years ago after becoming from Arsenal. And yes. I remember he was a very good, solid championship midfielder, you know, kind of hovering mid-table kind of championship midfielder kind of guy. And you always thought, yeah, you know, this player's got something about him if he gets mm-hmm. in the right situation at the right time. But I think you're right there, Dave. I don't think the uh, Wilhelm to Morkum, um road transfer road has been traveled quite a bit in history no not at all um there's no doubt that he's going to put himself in the shot window and i suppose it's why he's come to morecambe in the first place really is to to, to earn that move to, to to bigger and better suitors and, and if that happens in the summer then uh, fair play to him but uh, we'll enjoy him while he's here that's for certain and it's kind of completed our midfield corey really because We've also uh, got our other two young loanees, uh, Liam Shaw on loan from Celtic and uh, Jensen Weir on loan from, from, from Brighton. He was at Cambridge uh, last year. He's our top scorer as well with nine goals so far in all competitions. And the three of them, they look absolutely terrific. Um, I, I think there's no doubt at all that despite our lead position and, and, and the points that we've got on the board so far, our midfield is is certainly very, very, very competitive indeed now. And let's talk about a player, Dave, that we talked about back in the autumn. Um, that's Cole Stockton. We had talked about how he might, you know, he was kind of the main man at Morecambe. They were kind of looking at, he was kind of wanting to try his hand at a higher level. There was, a, I wouldn't say a transfer standoff, but there was, there was a little bit of tension between him and the club and the manager because he felt like he was going, you know, he should be playing better and Morecambe wanted mm-hmm. to get the right price and it just, the stars never aligned. And I looked at his stats so far, and I believe he's only got a couple of goals this season. So my question to you, Dave, on the outside looking in, he was highly rated in the autumn. People wanted big money for him. He wanted to move away. But he's not been feeding the Bulldog so far this season. What's going on with that situation? I love that phrase, Corey. I'm going to keep that one in the bank for myself as well. Feeding the Bulldog. I'm going to write that down. Um, I don't think the stats tell the full story, to be, to be perfectly honest. Uh, you're absolutely right with, with, with the history. Uh, he wanted to move away in the summer. But the reality of the situation was, quite simply, nobody was prepared to pay what he was worth. Not what we wanted for him, what his market value was. And... You know, you wouldn't sell your house or your car for a quarter of what of its value, would you? So why would you sell a footballer for a quarter of the value? Um, if you've got clubs coming in and offering, well, I don't know the exact figures. I'm not privy to that. But reportedly 100, 120,000 pounds for a striker who scored 26 goals the previous season. That's absolute peanuts. And you'd be, you'd be nuts to accept an offer like that. I don't think it was a case that the club were refusing him a move. It was just that nobody was willing to pay a reasonable sum of money. I think probably £300,000 would probably have got him. Uh, nobody bid that level. So he stayed a more complaint. There was various other issues. Um, the fact is now, he's a more as it stands now on, on Monday evening, 
Now I've said all this, uh, it'll all be redundant because he'll, he'll, he'll make a last-minute move tomorrow. But uh, I don't uh, I don't believe there's anything imminently in the pipeline as we speak at this moment in time. Um, yes, he's only scored three goals in 27 appearances this season. And if you look at that stat, you think, well, no, he's fallen right off the radar there, hasn't he? He's not feeding the bulldog, as you say. But uh, his overall performances and his leading of the line in the last five or six weeks have been so much better than, than what we've seen uh, for most part of the season. And the reason for that, it's quite simply a ch- little change, just a small tweak in our formation. We've always played, or for the majority of the season, we've always played a back three, uh, but now we're playing two up top. Previously, he was up top by himself with a, a couple of attacking centre uh, midfielders supporting him, and he was getting a bit isolated. And because he was isolated, we were playing a bit too deep, and that had allowed attackers to come onto us, and that was causing us problems at the other, uh, other end of the field. We've made that slight adjustment now. We're playing a bit higher up the pitch, and part of the reason for that is we've got another person supporting Cole up top. So it's more of a uh, a 3-4-1-2, I suppose I would I would call a formation at the moment. That's helped him significantly. And on Saturday, he was absolutely terrific at leading the line. He scored a goal like the olden days of last season and uh, generally caused a nuisance. So don't believe all of the stats. Uh, he's uh, he's back on back to the old call and hopefully he's going to be uh, more of the same on Saturday if he's still a more player, which I think he will be. Hopefully we get to see him, but uh, hopefully he doesn't. He doesn't play well on Saturday. You can always edit that bit of the podcast out, Corey. If it, <laughs> if it, ter- if it turns out he gets a move away tomorrow, then hey-ho. Um, so, Dave, before we want to, I want to talk about strength and weaknesses in a minute. But Morkamar, um, 19th in the league, six points, um, actually two points from Burton Albion, who were in the last relegation spot. Um, and I remember us talking in the autumn. We said, you know, basically what Morkham best scenario for Morecambe is to stay in league one. That is the best scenario for the club. That's kind of the size of a club of Morecambe's stature. No disrespects to Morecambe fans. Having seen every team now, Dave, are you confident that Morecambe can stay in this division or is it still too tight to tell because football's a funny game and weird things happen at weird times? Well, I was looking at the, the the comparison league table to this very day last season. And uh, this time last season, uh, we had played 27 games and we had 27 points. This time round, we've played 27 games and we've got 27 points. So we are in exactly the same position as what we were this day 12 months ago. Uh, but the difference is we are still in the relegation zone with 27 points this season. We're just the other side of the line this time round. But for me, we've got, and it's not, again, no disrespect to, we had some very good players on our books last season. But for me, uh, we've got an all-round better squad than we had 12 months ago. And I think that is what is going to stand us in good stead uh, going forward. We need to get some more away points on the board. There's no question about that. We can't go all season just winning once away from home and, and, and picking up a couple of draws. That won't be enough. Our home form is going to be key. Uh, we've got, I think it's nine games left at the Mazuma. If we can win four or five of those, we'll be on something like 42, 43 points, even if we don't pick up another point away from home. So, And, and that might well be enough to keep us in the division. I suspect we'll win at least another couple of games away, another couple of draws. I'm hoping we'll get somewhere near the 50-point mark, to be honest. But for, from what we've seen so far, 
uh, apart from the what you would call the big guns at the very top of the division. And I would include yourselves in that, Corey. Let's credit where it's due there. I think you're well in the well in the mix and don't rule yourselves out of automatic promotion yet. Certainly the run that you're on, what is it, one one defeat in 18 or 19 games? That's, is, yep. That is one heck of a run. And uh, you've got to be up there in the mix. And, and you look at the, the calibre of players that you've got. And I think, I look down at your team, I think, oh my goodness me, there's Curtis Davis and there's Conor Hurahan and there's James Collins and the list goes on and on and on. And you think, my goodness me, how, how, how are you not romping home? But then I see Plymouth and I see Sheffield Wednesday and I see Ipswich and there are others in the mix as well. So it's very hard to, to get automatic promotion. I think you're nailed on for a playoff spot, I, I, I will say that. But certainly at the other end of the table, there's plenty to, to suggest that uh, we should be okay. There's lots of work to do and we can't be complacent. But with 19 games left, if we can't get another 20 to 25 points that will get us somewhere near the 50 points mark, which would definitely make us safe on current form and the current squad as it stands, I think we'd be disappointed. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, 50 points would be upper upper mid table, to be honest, Dave, the way the league's shaking out right now, that would be a very, very good return for Morecambe. Um, so let's flip the narrative a little bit, Dave. Um, where can Darby get at Morecambe on Saturday? Where are the real weaknesses? Um, weaknesses, I think that we have conceded a, a few goals from, from wide areas this season, maybe a few more than Derek Adams uh, would like. So if you can stretch us, get the crossing from the byline, then uh, you might be in business there. Um, we're not the quickest uh, defensively. So if you've got fast forward players who can run, we're great in the air and putting our bodies on the line and that kind of stuff from that defensive point of view, we're brilliant. But if you've got quick players who can run at our defence and, and maybe get us on the back foot, you might uh, you might cause us a, a bit of trouble there. But just generally the way we're playing at the moment, uh, the, the one thing, regardless of the results on Saturday, is we will, we, we will give it everything we've got. There's no question about that and that, that's the one thing that's been um, excellent about uh, about Morecambe so in the last month or so is we've, we've played with our hearts on the sleeves we've put our bodies on the line we've got in where it hurts it's not always paid off of course because if you come up against a good team uh, and ultimately they're just too strong for you then that's just the way it is isn't it I suppose but uh, you, you can you've certainly got the quality to hurt us uh, and we know that but we will do everything we can to, uh, to obviously try and repel that danger and then to turn it to a positive aspect from a Morecambe perspective, where can Morecambe really get at Derby this season? Where, where are Morecambe's strengths uh, attacking-wise? And, and what what's it going to take for them to go out and win this football match? Well, we've got the midfield, as I've, as I've spoken about. If we can get Dan Crowley pulling the strings like he did last Saturday, we're on to an absolute winner. We've got Jensen Weir and Liam Shaw. They are already, for me, they are both already at championship quality. Uh, I, don't, I don't say that lightly. And that might be a slightly surprising thing to say as well, given our league position. But they have come on leaps and bounds. I can't believe Liam Shaw isn't in Celtic's first team squad, to be perfectly honest. Really surprised about that. Whether Jensen Weir can break into a Premier League squad, whether or not he moves into the Championship next season, I don't know. But it's certainly one to watch for the future. Uh, very good player. He's our top scorer. He likes making those late runs into the box and he's got an eye for a cracking goal from range as well. Cole Stockton's starting to find form. And another player who won't be on your radar at all, Corey, because he's uh, only recently in the last few months uh, come into the first team picture from the uh, from our academy is a youngest youngster called Adam Mayer. Plays out on the left-hand side. He's only 18. And uh, I think when we played you back in October, he just about started to break into the first team picture. He was playing in the Papa John's Trophy, that kind of thing. Uh, but now he's one of the first names on the team sheet. He's young, he's fast, he's tricky. There's not much of him. He's very slightly built, but uh, he's certainly one to watch and he's going to have a great career on that left-hand side. Remember the name, Adam Mayer. 
I will. And, and to be honest with you, Dave, he's doing more at 18 than what I did because oh, let's yeah, not talk too. about how I was sitting and eating <laughs> Oreos in my underpants. That's just sad. <laughs> um, some people call it the dream. I used to think it was, but now it's just sad looking back. Um, you get to a certain age, Corey, and you think, well, do you know what? That doesn't sound too bad, actually. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll probably <laughs> hit that phase in a couple of years' time, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and whatnot. So, Dave, um, I've got to push you for this. Score prediction for Saturday, Pride Park, Darby and Morecambe. Uh, How is this game going to go? There's no reason at all why, given how we played against Bristol Rovers last Saturday, there's no reason at all why we can't go out and make what I would describe as a statement win. At some point, we are going to upset one of the big teams. We're good enough to do it. We've shown at home we're certainly good enough to do it. How close we ran you to all three points at the Mazuma. We probably should have beaten Ipswich at home. We beat Barnsley at home. Uh, we should have beat. We should have hammered Portsmouth. So big clubs have come to the Mazuma and have shown how difficult it is to get a result when we are on our game. We've got to transfer the home form away from home. There's no doubt about that. And the disparity at the moment is 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 quite significant. That's got to get a bit closer together. But at some point, we've got to get that statement win. And uh, why can't it be on Saturday? Uh, why can't we upset the apple cart? Why can't we put that dent in, in, in one defeat in 19 games? I, I, I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would take a draw right this very moment if you would shake hands on that. That would, that would do me nicely. But I'm going to go and uh, you're going to laugh, but I'm going to say it anyway. Derby County 1, Morecambe 2. Oh, you heard it here first, Dave. <laughs> I think at some point all these teams upset a big team, but mm. I hope it doesn't happen Saturday and I hope you upset... Plymouth, Sheffield, Bolton, and those other big teams uh, and help us and Ipswich and push us a little bit further up the table. That would do me just now, right now. Oh. And I would shake your hand on that right now, you know. Um, We're still that... going to play Plymouth. We're still going to play Bolton again. We've still got to play Sheffield. We're playing Sheffield Wednesday in a couple of weeks, actually. We're still going to go away to Barnsley. Save the big win so, Sheffield. You know, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of scope for us to, uh, to help you if you can help us on Saturday. How does that sound? Uh, how about... We just win, and then you help us anyway because we're mates. And then we'll be okay anyway because uh, because I think these games, Corey, and uh, I think Derek Adams has said this, and and I agree with him. Is t- games against the, the 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 higher echelons of the table, um, they're not chuck away games. Of course, they're not. They're not gimme games, but they are to an extent the bonus point games in some yeah. respects because whether we beat Sheffield Wednesday or Derby or Ipswich isn't going to define our season. It's going to be a great day out when it happens, and it will happen at some point. But it's winning the, the, the bread and butter against the, the seven, eight, nine clubs around us, and, and that is what's going to keep Morecambe in League One next season. I think we've certainly got enough scope to do that. But at the same time, uh, if uh, the, the people who've watched the, the Mazuma over the last month or so, certainly the last eight games when we've been unbeaten, four straight home wins, we've got plenty, plenty of quality in the side to cause an upset. Why can't it be on Saturday? And then that would obviously set us in even better stead then going forward. But uh, we're looking forward to it. We're going to be bringing about five or 600 fans at least. I know that's that's obviously a relatively small amount given the capacity of Pride Park. Looking forward to the atmosphere. Looking forward to seeing um, uh, Steve Bloomer's bust in the, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the dugout and everything. It's, it's a ground I've not been to before. So we're very excited for the day out and uh, we're really looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, Dave, let me tell you, Pride Park is a very, very special place. And the Steve Bloomer bust is uh, is pretty special as well. So Dave Salmon, he works, he does Shrimps Live for Beyond Radio, and he does he's the voice of Morgan FC on iFollow. Dave, enjoy your trip to Pride Park. Thanks very much, mate, for uh, for catching up with me. 
Um, I hope we again get to speak again in the future, hopefully in a cracking FA Cup tie, because I don't think I could take another <laughs> season down in League One. But case hey, sirrah, sirrah, and if it happens, it happens, Dave Salmon. Dave, thanks for spending some time with us. Really appreciate it. No problem at all, Corey. All the best for the rest of the season. I think you've found out how difficult League One is already, haven't you? But I think you're going to be well in at least, at least in the playoff picture. And, uh, well, I hope we speak again next season because it means that we've stayed up and, and, and you haven't. So it'd be good for us, even if it's not good for you. But either way, <laughs> uh, we'll talk very soon. All the best. Our thanks to Dave for that. Um, always a cracking conversation with Dave. Uh, Jason and Jack, I want to turn to you now because um, we're we're looking ahead here to Morecambe. Um, confident that we can get back uh, back to winning ways on, on Saturday against against the Morecambe team, which is just a few points off of the relegation uh, uh, out of the relegation places. Are confident, Jack, that we can get back to winning ways? I mean, yeah. We should be looking at, you know, it was one-one draw earlier in the season, wasn't it? it yeah, obviously... and, and 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 like Dave said there, you know, the Morecambe the Morecambe um, uh, form has been very Jekyll and Hyde. They're very very good at home, and they're very crap away. They're coming yes. away to Pride Park to a Derby team which has been flying. Last night was a free hit, Chris. Uh, so let's not let's not uh, let's not chuck too much into that. But we should be in good stead. Are, are you confident knowing that Morecambe struggle away from home for, for no reason other than the fact that they struggle away from home, that we can come, we can show up at home in front of a big crowd. Morecambe is bringing about 500 and we can, we can run out of there three points. Yeah. I mean, we, we, again, with, with the form, with everything that's gone on, we, we should be confident. We've been playing well. I think. Again, we need to go back to the fact that last night was against a Premier League club and not get too disheartened over that. I would hope that Erin Cashin will be fit enough to start by that point from what I've seen, um, which would make a difference. Yeah, it just it just seems to me from the had a busy day, so I've not been able to do that much research into Morecambe. But from what we saw earlier in the season and what I've seen of them this season, so he should should be able to do a decent job. I mean, it. I think it will come down in part to how the midfield balance is affected as well. That could play a big part. We, you know, it remains. And as Dave said, there, Jack, to cut you off rudely, Morecambe have. A strong midfield. That's about the best part of the Morgan yes. squad right now. They brought in Dan Crowley uh, from Birmingham City, or not the former Birmingham City midfielder from Wilhelm II. Now that is a transfer path that has not been treaded a lot on. Wilhelm II to Morecambe. Wow. Bonkers. But their midfield unit is actually pretty good. And Dan Cowley, uh, Dave said, played really, really well at, um, on his debut last weekend. So that's really their engine house. That's really the strong suit of this Morecambe team. So it'll be interesting, like you said there, Jack, to see how the midfields kind of match up. If Because we know whether it's Harvey White, whether it's Corey Smith, whether it's whoever, whether it's me, Chris, or Jason, or you showing up on Saturday to play for Derby, there will be a different person in that midfield that third midfield spot beside yeah. Vernon Hurrahane. So it will be interesting. That's the key battle, isn't it? Yeah, it's a real kind of contrast, isn't it? That juxtaposition between 
a very solid Morphin midfield, and then a Derby midfield, which has been excellent and is now, now there's been a spanner in the works. That I feel like that is that is the key. The other thing that I think we'll be able to get away with a bit more back in League One compared to last night, and this goes back a bit to the point around Collins and the system not necessarily suiting him, is we were still pushing up very high with wingbacks and things last night. And that, that's great. It's good football. I felt it left centre-backs would be a little bit exposed. Forsyth and Davis, 34, 37. But we know they're not the quickest. You know, should, could we have done with a little bit more cover for them? Were we setting them up a little bit? But in League One, we've, we've been all right with that. As I say, Cashin should be back. So defensively, I think we can kind of get it together again. But it's it, it is going to be that midfield, and if McGoldrick's back, it's also a completely different game. But I I fancy us, even if we're a little bit disjointed, I fancy us to do it. I think that so so am I doing this. <laughs> Chris, similar similar sentiments to Jack as I work my way around the Brady Bunch screen here at Ramsview HQ, and obviously you're you're live on on assignment. No per diem, by the way. Um, are you confident that we can return to winning ways against Morecambe? Because we need to keep the momentum going. We want to keep the pressure on uh, the top clubs, uh, the t- not the, t- the clubs that are above us in the table. We want to keep pushing for that automatic promotion because we know what playoffs do to clubs and fan bases, especially us. We've all been scarred over the years. Uh, it's a good opportunity to go back against a team in the lower third of the table. Say, look, let's put West Ham's side. Let's continue our great league form and let's get back on the wagon, isn't it? It's a, it's a really good opportunity. It's better than playing a team that would be higher up the league table. If you could ask for a, a game coming out of a loss to a Premier League team, it would probably be a team like Morecambe in their situation. Um, confident that we can we can go and get a result? Yeah, a, a couple of things picked up from what you said, Corey. First of all, I'd love to know who uh, sold Morecambe to that gentleman because, as you know, if you've, if you've ever been to Morecambe, there's not a lot really to walk around or offer, so I uh, have no idea what he's got in his uh, in his salary bonus. Um, second of all, I think the fact that we played on a Monday will help because it allows us four days to prepare for Morecambe. So if anyone does come through the gates here at Moor Farm, and so far I haven't seen anyone yet, um, then they will have a couple of days to, to bed in. The final thing I'll say, I think we'll, I think we'll win the game, no problem. I think exactly what uh, the gentleman from Morecambe said. They are very Jacqueline Hyde. Uh, their waveform is poor. They had a good four nil win. I think it was at Bristol against Bristol Rovers. It was. They uh, won five one. Yeah, five one. Yeah. And you know, everyone's going to see. You know, for all we know, they may have been five hail marys into the box and hit a seagull and gone in. You just don't know, do you? But um, I think one thing we do need to look at this week is remember when we set Jack that task of looking at big fixtures and how they all play out. Well, this is the first week that it really starts. You've got Sheffield Wednesday play Plymouth, which is a big fixture, as we know. We've got Portsmouth playing Barnsley, so we could do with a draw there. You've got Wickham away at Port Vale, which isn't easy. And then you've got Ipswich away at Cambridge, which isn't easy. I think Bolton have the easiest game at home to Cheltenham. So... I think we need to win because I think you'll see I think you'll see some slip ups this weekend. I think we, we yeah. could really do with some draws. Jason Can I just say as well. Go if, on, Jack. If anybody's coming up with any other ridiculous stats that they can't be bothered to research, 
I, I've got too much time on my hands. So, you know, send them into us and I'll have a go. I'll, I'll find the stats. Like, I mean, I've Agent, Agent Jack is on the case. Um, we will keep that in mind, Jack. And don't worry, you'll be, you'll be quite busy in about 45 minutes. Um, as we dissect Harvey, Harvey White's, uh, stats all the way from U8 level to current. Uh, Jason, it, it is a good opportunity, isn't it, for to play to play a team like Morecambe, um, to get back on the winning ways, get back to winning ways. Um, Dave was Dave was pretty uh, in the segment. There was pretty uh, uh, confident. I think he was being a bit a bit uh, on the Morecambe side of the fence there with them running out victors. But we ha- we we can we can beat Morecambe, and like Chris said, it, it gets really important now. With as you know, Jack had researched a couple of weeks ago that mini league is really starting to heat up against the teams in the top six. They all got to play each other, and we could find ourselves with that eight point gap uh, very close. Uh, narrowed down very quickly. So this is a, I'm not going to say it's a must win game, but it's a must win game, isn't it, Jason? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a very dangerous game. Morecambe have won the four out of the last five. They put five past Bristol Rovers. I know we put four past Bristol Rovers at home, but um, I'm not taking it as lightly as some might. Um, Morecambe are, if you want to call it, banging form at the moment. And that causes Derby a, a bit of an issue. You're right. Let's face it. Th- there's not many teams in this division on paper that that should beat Derby County. We know it's not played on that. The way that Derby played so far this season, certainly under Paul Warren, there isn't many teams that should beat Derby County. There, there, there just isn't. Um, I think Morecambe's tougher, actually, on, on Saturday than, uh, than people are giving it credit for. As I say, they are absolutely banging form. And, and any team at any level that can put four or five, you know, away in a professional game are clearly on form. So Derby are going to have to be on the metal. As we, as I mentioned earlier, you know, from Derby's five, six um, clean sheet run to, you know, the last three or four where we've, what, we conceded two, was it, against Cheltenham? We've conceded two against West Ham. Appreciate the difference in quality there. We've conceded at Port Vale. You know, we, we're just, we're, we're, a leaking is probably not quite the right word. Obviously, conceding it's Bolton as well. So, when we've lost that art of keeping a bit of a clean sheet, and you're coming up against a team that have off the back of five goals last week at home, so it's probably not as easy as some are making out. I don't think any game is, but yeah, you, you would, you, I certainly will be. I'll be putting money on Derby winning on Saturday, and Chris is absolutely spot on. The the way that. The, the league in February runs, everybody at the top plays everybody. And if there's going to be a time that Derby take an advantage, it's, it's going to be this time. Obviously, I don't I think what the Plymouth rearranged game from the weekend is what March is it? March 7th. Uh, yeah, I think Ipswich is March or April. Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday is end of. Um, well, Sheffield Wednesday, obviously, the last away game, uh, the last game of the season. So we're away from those. Um, we've still got to go to Oakwell, but we've done Barnsley twice. We've got Portsmouth at home. You know, it's, if Derby at the end of February, we're all going to get together on this podcast at the end of February, and I wouldn't be, I would expect the gap to be smaller. I think you're. Oh yeah, there, for there sure. Is, there is yeah. draws at this division. There's no doubt about that. Um, and 
at the end of February, I think it'll be a real time for us to on the podcast to, to sit and realistically have a look at what Derby can achieve. I think um, it would be great, no disrespects, it'd be great to see Sheffield Wednesday drop, drop a game just because of the run that they're on, hopefully take a bit of steam out of their momentum. Ipswich look like they're a team that are sort of staggering a little bit. Um, Plymouth have had a very interesting transfer window from what I've, I've seen. They have strengthened. Bolton have had a very, very good, from what I can tell, a very good transfer window. Obviously, they've got to prove that on the pitch, but from, from the players that they've brought in, you know, it, they look like they're, they're gunning for it. And Derby can only do what Derby can do. We, we said this a couple of weeks ago, Derby have got to play a hell of a lot of the bottom half of the league at home. And you would expect three points nine times out of ten. And it's up to Paul Warren and the players and Derby to to get those results. If they get those results, they should get their just rewards by the end by the end of February. That gap should be that bit shorter. Um and then it's squeaky bum time, isn't it, for teams like Plymouth, who haven't been in this scenario for 15, 20 years getting promoted to to the. I remember and then handle the expectation of being of leading the pack as opposed exactly. to Sheffield Wednesday. I think they'd cope with it, not a problem. Ipswich haven't been there for a while. Plymouth haven't been there for a while, so you would think that that may well you know factor in at, at some point. And you know, two years ago, three years ago, Derby were challenging for the Premier League, so you'd think Derby should be able to. And, and then the players, McGoldrick and Hurrahan, were playing at the top end of the championship last year, chasing exactly. promotion. So we have, that's where the experienced players come in. Yeah. A um, couple of things, Jason, before we finish. I think that's mostly all the Derby stuff uh, for this evening. But one Derby former player has made a move, uh, which is rather strange. So we'll be seeing him very shortly. As a former Derby County striker, Luke Plant, who we sold for a million pounds to Crystal Palace, uh, has returned from his loan spell in Belgium, uh, where he made 16 appearances. And he is signed for Lincoln City. So, Darby will see Luke Plange in a couple of weeks when they play Lincoln at Pride Park. Uh, so, that'll be an interesting, that was an interesting move to see him come back to League One um, after that. And the, the standout move of the day for me, which I'm still buzzing about, and I don't even support the team, um, but I keep an eye out on him because obviously we talked to, to Darren McAnthony from time to time, as Peterborough have signed the Chesterfield striker, Kabongo Simunga. Uh, who has just been banging in the goals for Chesterfield in the National League. Um, I think he was next to Paul Mullen last season, second top goal scorer in between Mullen, Langstaff, uh, and Knotts County, and, and this lot Chesterfield. I think Posh have got a good one on their hands um, because he will replace former Derby County striker Jack Marriott, who's gone to Fleetwood Town. Um, and we are recording this uh, on the Tuesday, the 31st of January, and it is uh, one day past one year of the march um, to save Derby County through the Derby City Centre, where there was a reported between eight and 10,000 fans. Jason, I know you were a part of that um, and things like that. It's been incredible to see the progress we've made as a football club in the past year, um, just on and off the pitch. Um, and I think that that march, didn't it, Jason, just real quick, that march really kind of brought everybody back together and on side to to not only save the football club, but to to give it the the fine support now after a fractious couple of years with various different things and COVID and um, drink driving and different things like that, it really kind of put everybody back on the same page, didn't it? Yeah, I think it, I think it wiped a lot of uh, slate, uh, wiped a lot of slates clean in, in that. And then obviously the football that day was a little bit turgid until uh, against Birmingham until uh, Beelix bicycle. Um, 
but yes, um, I mean, what a day. I was there assemb- outside the assembly rooms, as, uh, assembled the march at about 11 o'clock. Um, the city centre was buzzing. Um, I can only put it down to the same sort of feeling as walking down Wembley Way when you get off the tube, but the amount of fans that were there, obviously completely contrasting emotions, really, but, oh, it was such an amazing day, and it would have been great to have absolutely stuffed Birmingham that day, three or four nil, it really would have put the icing on the cake, but in terms of the football club, and now we, obviously, we said it on this podcast, obviously, I know Chris and Simon would have mentioned it on the Rams writer as well, and everybody who covers Derby, it was, it was such a black day, before then and then that was a real chink of light in um in, in Derby's history. And to be honest, I, I think, you know, let's face it, we I don't know this as a fact, but our current chairman was probably in the middle of that because he, he was a fan. So I mean that that tells you everything that you need to know about that glorious day 12 months ago. And I don't think that's going to be something that's forgotten for a long, long time in Derby's history. Um and obviously, you know, Derby coming out of League One hopefully this season. Will go a long way to to amend those those dark days that we we commented on, Corey, week in and week out, if not twice weekly. And it was just an amazing event, and it just goes to show you the passion that this this fan base has got for this football club, and obviously one of the reasons why we do this podcast because we've all got a passion for this football club, and there are a lot of football clubs out there probably at this moment in time, higher than Derby County in the football pyramid that would absolutely love a fan base like us. And, and Chris, uh, just 30 seconds from you as well, because I believe you were at Pride Park that day um, doing your bits and bobs. What what was the sentiment for you as, as someone who had been through the administration at Derby and things like that, to see that kind of support um, and then to have that kind of atmosphere and then obviously Bielik's goal and the, basically the roof blows off? Um, um. Go on. Sorry, sorry, Corey. No, I was going to say, I, I tweeted earlier, it was the most emotional day of my career at, at Derby uh, for numerous reasons. Just quickly, um, we were sent out of staff to actually meet the the march at the entrance to Prior Park, which was really emotional for, for three or four of us because we wanted to be there marching with them because we saw great staff, unfortunately, lose, lose their roles. And, and as fans, you don't want to see that. I just thought that the integrity was incredible the integrity and the class of the way they behaved because that could have got easily out of hand, but it didn't. They met us at the at the car park with Rami. We guided them into the car park, into the main entrance, and it was wonderful. The se- second thing I remember, I was actually on the mic that day, so I remember completely losing it when Bielik scored his uh, uh, goal. Um, Kyle Taylor had been giving us, sorry, Lyle Taylor had been giving us a load of grief. Uh, he came off as sub and we were 2-0 down and he was giving us some grief down the touch, down the... Uh, touchline and down the tunnel saying you know you've we've got this in the bag and lo and behold Bielik goes and hits the wonder goal um there's a midfielder we could have brought back but there you go so yeah um amazing day we'll never forget it I cried at least three times on the mic before the game during the game at the march yeah Derby County fans best in the world without a shadow of a doubt and Jack I'm going to give you one of the last words of the podcast before we turn it over Jason to finish it um, yeah. but just to finish up on Chris's point, I mean, even for me, who was 4,000 miles away and obviously did not take part of the March logistically, it was just not feasible for me to, to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, incredibly moving and emotional experience to watch those pictures, to see how much this football 
club means to everybody and 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 what it means to the to the city, the fans, um, and to the football community as a whole, I think was tremendously uh special. And I think it's a day that that won't ever be forgotten. Um, and it's a day that you can look at as an inflection point in the fans' relationship with the clubs of where it started to get a little bit better because like I had said before, it had felt a little fractious uh for the last previous few years. And I don't think COVID football helped um with being away from it and then things like that and being able to to basically celebrate what everybody loves and not knowing what the future is. We know that Derby County now has a happy ending to the to the takeover saga, but at that time when the march was going on, you didn't know if that was going to be the last game of the football thing, but people still showed up anyway. They weren't apathetic to it. And I think that's something to be, to be incredibly um, um, grateful for and something to be incredibly proud of as Derby supporters that we were able to rally around and um, do what we did for this football club. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, if you go think on, that, then, um, well, actually just looking back, I was looking back the other day at the first couple of pieces I wrote for the website. And I did a piece on this the day after it happened. And you contrast that and that first piece I wrote, which were essentially part love letters to the club, part plea to whoever has any sort of power to change it to save the club because of the situation we're in, where we are now. You know, a year ago today would have been transfer transfer deadline day. But as far as Garthy were concerned, it was D-Day. This was... There was a deadline today, uh, like a year ago today. They got moved down the line for another month and then got kicked, Can got kicked down the road again and again. But, you know, and that's why that march was there. We we thought we had, what, a day or so left of, of the club at that point? And as difficult as that time was, from a fan, and it's, you know, there's some awful things happening, people losing their jobs, things that shouldn't have happened. From a fan perspective, I think it's, I think that day in particular, as you say, signifies quite a lot of important things. I mean, I couldn't get there that day, but I remember seeing that and I was watching the game and then the TV, I was watching it, I think, by now TV and my feed cut out just before the, the equaliser. And I remember just looking at my phone and just in shock and then just watching all the scenes. I think that's a, you know, the moments from that day we're all going to remember forever. And I think for me and the experience of last season as a fan, I don't, you know, you wouldn't change it. It's so, now looking back, it's done, done some big things to the club. And the other thing on a personal level for me, which I'll be eternally grateful for, and this is me getting kind of soppy. So sorry, I keep doing this. But it meant that I, especially after that, it meant that I went to more games last season. I pushed myself physically to get to games because one, we didn't know when, you know, on multiple occasions, we thought this could be the club's last game, but also for me on a personal level, going with my dad, like it's, it's that same thing where we went in September, went one game this season. And at that point, you know, we thought we're safe. We'll have many more. So, you know, You've got to cherish every moment. And that's what last season taught us. And every every game we're at, every game Derby get, we need to be grateful for because it was very nearly snatched away from us. And that's why I'm always quite positive with, with all of this because even if we get battered 5-0 at the weekend, it's a million times better than what the alternative was. No, that's, that's 100%, Jack. That's 100%. And... 
you know, that's a that's a good place to to leave the podcast for this week. But Jack, you mentioned something at the beginning of the show. Um that was uh oh, and before I forget, the UE Rams also won against Liverpool Feds uh, at the weekend. They came back, they came back, um they came from behind to win. Uh, friend of the podcast, Amy Simmons, unfortunately did not score. Um, but uh, we will be talking about the Derby County women uh, in next week's episode in a little bit more detail. But Jack, you said something at the beginning of the show, which um, kind of caught my interest. So you've got 30 seconds. Explain to me Shetland and uh, this day and what it means and what it's called. So essentially, it's parade through Lurlitz, the, the main town. So they start in the day going through hospitals and schools, the squad who wait for years for their turn. Um, and they, they go through, they, you know, in their full, like, Viking costume and whatever costumes they're kind of in that day. And then that night, it'll be a parade. It will just start, it'll start soon, and you can watch it, actually, online. And they effectively burn a Viking longboat. It's a big festival with all these torches. And then tonight, there'll be a lot of celebration. And tomorrow, is actually a public holiday. I found a press pack, and I'll, I'll tweet it out, so... People can people can read up on it. There's a load of history there, but yeah, I and mean, if I can find the link to where you can watch it as well, I'll I'll put it out there. Yeah, that's really interesting because you know Jack, because me and you have talked about this. One of my favorite shows from across the pond is Shetland. I do love mm-hmm. I do love Di Di Jimmy Perez. So it'll be interesting to see what they do now that he's not involved. Spoiler alert: If you haven't watched it, I'm sorry. Uh, my my apologies in that one. Just kind of <laughs> gave that one away. Um, but uh, yeah, it should be really interesting. Um, so I'm going to look forward to that because I, I love I love kind of different holidays and different things to do and um, and things like that. So Jason, with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up and I'm gonna turn it over to you to to take it home. Yeah, um, I've not watched Shetland either, so mm. oh, maybe maybe I'm missing okay. out. It's a brilliant show. Brilliant it might be. Um, I mean, only my second favorite to Love Island, by the way. Not not, not football in context this weekend, and it's been I don't know how I haven't already. Um, I watched the um, Netflix uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man this weekend, and both of them. Are you weren't insane. singing again, were you? I was. If were you, you clothed this down, time? Yeah, I was. Okay, good. Because that one time that was weird. I know, but if you're a fan of Queen or or Elton John, I mean, incredible, absolutely incredible. It's taken me about three years to watch both of them, but in the end, I managed to do it. No football, obviously, Saturday, so I'd got a lot of time on my hands. So that was all right. But of course, we have got football this Saturday. We've also got football next Saturday. We've got a podcast next Monday or Tuesday, probably Monday, where we look at all the fallout from the game against Morecambe. Fingers crossed for three points against the Rams. And then we're looking towards a very interesting trip to Adams Park uh, and 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 Wickham. And um, Robert Coeg, I'm pretty sure you will not be at that game next week at Adams Park because... Absolutely, Chris. I will it be a parking lot sellout is what you need to know. Yeah. I've we will have all that information. We will have I've all that information. I will strive to get the Wickham Wanderers parking lot attendant to get the inside scoop on the parking lot sales. Yeah, I've got a feeling that that's going to be a fun one, which is technically the part of the first game of a three-game week next week, which could start to change the um the picture of Derby County's season a little bit. Of course, we'll cover all that and more. Any transfers that come in tonight in the next four hours, we'll have all that chat as well. And until then, I have to say thanks. Thanks to Jack. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to Corey, as always. This has been the Rams Review. And until next time, up the Rams.
Thank you for listening to the Rams Review Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review 1, on Facebook, Rams Review Podcast. Drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. And until next time, up the Rams.